funding for NJ Spotlight News provided by the members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child, and RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Tonight on NJ Spotlight News, meet the Murphys. Tammy Murphy makes her first public appearance alongside her husband after officially announcing her bid for U.S. Senate. She's got a lot of face-to-face um, uh, -face time with the county chairs, with the county organizations. I think that's really going to pay off for her. As longtime activist Larry Hamm ramps up his campaign to also try and dethrone embattled U.S. Senator Bob Menendez. It's an uphill climb, but somebody has to be in this race that's going to speak for regular folk. Plus, a Starbucks walkout. New Jersey employees walk off the job on the company's banner Red Cup Day, looking to kickstart union negotiations again. We all deserve fair labor practices, and there's no reason that Starbucks has not come to the table. And raising their voices, members of the transgender and non-binary community speak out to fight for their equality. A lot of transgender and non-binary people experience violence in one way or another, and some of them do lose their lives to violence. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. From NJPBS Studios, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Thursday night. I'm Brianna Venozzi. The Democratic Party is lining up for Tammy Murphy. Hours after the First Lady announced her bid to unseat embattled U.S. Senator Bob Menendez, two powerhouse county organizations endorsed her campaign. First, Hudson, that's Menendez's home turf. Then today, Camden County's Democratic chairman said his group has Murphy's back too. Both areas have key influence in elections. Candidate Murphy made her first public appearance today alongside her husband, the governor. And as senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan reports, it quickly became clear she'll be walking a fine line to juggle both roles. Governor Murphy delivered his keynote speech with barely a mention of his wife, who sat on the dais but offered no comment. It marked a return to the familiar for Tammy Murphy, wearing her first lady hat again at today's annual League of Municipalities luncheon in Atlantic City. The governor did acknowledge her role carrying the flag as an advocate. Tammy is first lady, carried it on infant and maternal health, and there's no state in America that does what we're doing on, on infant and maternal health. But not a word was spoken about Tammy Murphy, U.S. Senate candidate, who launched her race with a splashy video touting her achievements as First Lady yesterday. The obvious challenge facing Tammy Murphy now, how to play both roles. I will have two hats, and it will be very clear. I'm either the First Lady of New Jersey, or I am the candidate. Um, right. And I will make sure that line is not blurred. Murphy told Chatbox host David Cruz she'll pay special attention to projects she's worked on, including maternal health care and climate change. One thing that I absolutely will not uh, tolerate is if any of the policy platforms, if any of the um, promises that I have made should not be fulfilled, then I would um, be very upset. And so one piece of this is what is the highest and best use of my time? Uh, and how can I make sure that all of those things that are so important to me and so important, more importantly, to the people of New Jersey 
uh, are completed. As First Lady, candidate Murphy enjoys many of the same perks as an incumbent, name recognition, and an easy familiarity with the powerful and connected. The First Lady travels up and down the state. She is always in, the me in, in, in meetings and events. She's always doing um, openings. And, and so she's got a lot of face-to-face um, uh, -face time with the county chairs, with the county organizations. I think that's really going to pay off for her. Former Highland Park Mayor Matt Hales, also a political science professor. He says Murphy can easily capitalize on the First Lady role to benefit her candidacy. She's never held elected office before, but he complimented her style. So I, I've always thought that Tammy Murphy is an excellent politician. When Phil Murphy started, I think she was better than he was. Of course, folks here know the First Lady, business leaders, especially women are intrigued by the concept of Jersey sending its first woman to the U.S. Senate. Diversity around every table matters, whether that's a government table, a business table, or a board table. We want equity, we want inclusion, we want diversity, but we always want folks who have the goods. And um, again, Tammy has shown in her maternal health agenda that she can take something and she can run with it and she can execute. So now we'd love to have the conversation on how we can translate that to some business and economic issues. The Murphys left quickly after the luncheon, candidate Murphy is expected to meet the news media en masse soon. In Atlantic City, I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. Long before the First Lady tossed her hat in the ring to unseat Senator Menendez, longtime political activist Larry Hamm declared he was running. The social justice advocate and chair of Newark-based People's Organization for Progress is no stranger to the campaign trail. He challenged Senator Cory Booker in the 2020 Democratic primary but lost. And this time around, Hamm believes voters have more of an appetite for change. Larry Hamm joins me now. Larry Ham, thank you for joining me. This is not your first bid at a Senate seat in no. New Jersey. How are you differentiating your campaign this time? Why are you running? I'm running because I want to make life better for people. I want to make life better for working people, poor people, everyday people. And my campaign is differentiated in that um, I'm willing to propose the big changes that need to be made to make life better life better. Like what? For instance, we must change health care in the United States. We're the richest country in the world. We're the only rich country that does not have universal health care or a system of national health care. All the other advanced industrial rich countries have it. We should have it too. We have millions of people who are uninsured we have millions more who are insured, but who are burdened by all the additional costs that are involved that you have to pay even though you have insurance. So we need universal health care. We need an immediate increase in the federal minimum wage. I'm the father of three lovely daughters of whom I'm very proud. They're all college graduates. They graduated Rutgers University here in New Jersey. But I have to say, uh, I had to mortgage my home twice in order to get them through college. And so many young people are graduating with un undergraduate school with tens of thousands of dollars of student debt. We have bailed out the banks in this country to the tune of trillion dollars. We bailed out major auto industries. We can cancel student debt so our young people 
can have uh, a chance at life. You are obviously no stranger to organizing. You've been doing that uh, most of your life and, yes. and obviously your career. How, though, are you going about this race when you have the likes of First Lady Tammy Murphy jumping in just yesterday, Andy Kim? They both have a lot of money and already endorsements behind them. Right. It's tough. It's, I'm, I'm the first to admit it's an uphill climb. But somebody has to be in this race that's going to speak for regular folk, that's going to speak for working people, that's going to speak for poor people, that's going to give voice to the voiceless. Um, yes, I'm running against candidates who have a lot of money, but what they don't have that I have is a very close connection to regular people. I've been working and organizing uh, in this uh, social justice movement for over 50 years. I feel I have a close connection to people and I know what people really want. So we need people in Congress, in the House and the Senate for which I'm running, who are not going to be afraid to stand up to fight those uh, moneyed interests. So let me let me ask mm -hmm. you this. Mm -hmm. Let's say we get to the primary. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say money wins out. Another mm -hmm. candidate has that money. Mm -hmm. That candidate gets uh, gets the the nomination. Would you run off the line, or are you seeking the backing of the establishment in the state? Well, I'm running in the Democratic primary. But after the primary. Look, let's be clear. As far as I'm concerned, Democrats must retain control of the United States Senate. I'm running in the Democratic primary. I'm working to win the Democratic primary. If I don't win, I'm going to support the winner of the Democratic primary. I mean, imagine this a twice indicted president who is the lead candidate of the Republican Party. So I want to make it clear I'm running in the Democratic primary. I'm going to do my best to win that primary, but I'm going to support the winner of the primary, both for Senate and for President of the United States. Larry Hamm, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Turning to the conflict in the Middle East, Israeli forces are under intense pressure to prove longstanding claims that hospitals in Gaza served as Hamas hideouts, which the military says is justification for targeting the facilities. Especially the Al-Shifa hospital the IDF took control of on Wednesday. Gaza's health ministry says thousands of civilians are inside either sheltering or as patients and their lives are in immediate jeopardy. The White House has so far said it believes intelligence showing Hamas used the hospital as a base. But Israel's ability to back that claim could be key to whether it continues getting international support in the response to the October 7th attack by Hamas. One of Israel's staunchest U.S. congressional allies is New Jersey Representative Chris Smith, who says Israel's right to defend itself is absolute. And he joins me now. Representative Smith, it's good to have you on the show. I want to ask you about... Uh, the stance on humanitarian pauses, the Biden administration for what I believe is the first time abstained from a vote uh, with the U.N. Security Council looking at a potential extended humanitarian pause. Um, prior to that, as you know, the administration has blocked those efforts. At what point or will there be a point where yourself and other members of Congress see a need for a pause 
in this fighting to get sure. more humanitarian aid there? Well, Brianna, I wish the administration would have vetoed that. I mean, right now we know beyond any reasonable doubt that Hamas wants this in order to redeploy their forces, to strengthen in certain areas, to further ascertain where the IDF is operating in order to hit back even harder. They are the ones who are putting the Palestinians at risk. They're the ones who took the hostages and have, have killed so many people, particularly on October 7th, in an unprovoked, horrific act of savagery. You know, when you get their own leaders, the Hamas leaders saying over and over again, we're going to keep doing this over and over and over again to kill Jews and to end the state of Israel. You were a participant in the march in D.C. on the yeah. National Mall there, hundreds of thousands of folks. What is your message um, and why did you participate? Uh, thank you for that question. I, um, I, I participated. I, I do co-chair the Anti-Semitism Caucus uh, and I work on I actually created the law that created the special envoy uh, for combating anti-Semitism as an ambassador at large. Uh, and Deborah Lipstadt was one of the speakers. I created that position through a piece of my legislation. Uh, and and I, we stand, the message is, we stand with the Israelis. Uh, they are a democracy. Uh, they are a country that, that believes in religious freedom, uh, the due process of law. Uh, they have a Supreme Court that's very active. They, you know, the branches have checks and balances. Uh, and the Jewish people, uh, it's their homeland, but it is open to others as well. Uh, who are non-Jews, uh, whether it be Muslim or Christian. Unfortunately, they face an adversary that wants to wipe them off the face of the earth. Uh, so we have to stand, in my humble opinion, with Israel every step of the way. Do you um, feel, and, you Congressman, know, th that, that Israel is following the international laws on war, given oh, I, the civilian believe, death toll? I do, and I do it very emphatically. You know, you look at wars in the past when, when the Nazis... Uh, attacked us or, uh, you know, attacked Europe, of course, uh, starting with Poland. And when, um, you know, the uh, Imperial Japan attacked us, we did a response that was designed to end that cruelty and that menace to society. Um, there sadly and regrettably are going to be some civilian deaths uh, when your opponent, in this case, a group of thugs and terrorists, hide behind human shields of women and children. And that's what they're doing. Do you think that the line has been blurred for folks, especially in the West, uh, between Palestinians and Palestinian civilians, of course, we all know the majority of whom are under the age of 18, and Hamas? Well, I think what's happened, you know, they did win by an election um, in, back in, what, 2005, six. Sure, which and, most and they of the, did win the folks that. who live there now, you know, were, were too young to vote in, but yes. I know, but, but they never they never had another election, and they never will. Um, and, and what they'll do is just keep teaching the next generation uh, to kill. In their charter of 1988, they have one section where they say, you know, even the rocks and the, and the flowers will, cry, you know, will cry out, there's a Jew hiding behind me, uh, come and kill him. Uh, I mean, that is, that's sick. <laughs> that, and they're teaching kids this as part of their Hamas dogma. Uh, and, and, you know, I've read the whole thing several times. They even talk about a peace conference as being antithetical uh, to anything dealing with Islam. And that's, that's a total perversion of the Islamic faith, uh, you know, not to treat people with respect. Congressman Chris Smith is chairman of the Subcommittee on Foreign Affairs, Human Rights, and Global Health. Congressman, thank you so much. Thank you so very much for having me.
In our Spotlight on Business report tonight, if you're a latte lover, you may already know today is the annual Red Cup Day at Starbucks, where baristas hand out those free holiday-themed reusable cups to surge traffic at the company's stores nationwide. But this year, thousands of baristas at more than 200 locations, including here in New Jersey, walked off the job, protesting their lack of a contract despite a roughly two years long effort to unionize the chain. Ted Goldberg spoke with workers about their demands at a picket line in Morris County. Some Starbucks workers are trying to convince customers to take their business elsewhere. At least for today. Union members at New Jersey's five organized stores are bringing attention to the fact that no unionized Starbucks location has agreed to a contract with corporate. Everyone, whoever, barista, nurses, auto workers who have all been on strike, actors, we all deserve fair labor practices and there's no reason that Starbucks has not come to the table. We never get the proper staffing, we still haven't gotten a contract, we're trying to fight for that. Um, and. You know, today is their biggest money-making day of the year, so let's hit them where it hurts. Unions now represent the staff at more than 360 American Starbucks stores. Unionized employees walked off the job yesterday and are on strike today during Red Cup Day, a huge moneymaker for Starbucks. I was not scheduled for Red Cup Day last year, but I know it was bad. <laughs> it was our first real strike over here in Montclair, and honestly, we managed to cause a lot of disruption. We managed to get a bunch of like refunds and honestly, Starbucks was really feeling the heat on that one right there. The customers and the media coverage really shows and highlights what their issues and concerns are. Rutgers labor professor Todd Vashon says the Red Cup Rebellion won't cripple the coffee company, but it could shine a light on what union members say are anti-union tactics. For instance, Starbucks recently announced a wave of raises for employees, but some of them won't take effect in unionized stores. The fact that they are utilizing raises in the non-union stores versus the union stores definitely um, gives off the aroma of being a union-busting tactic, for sure. Is it legal? <laughs> There's the gray zone. That's something for the NLRB to decide. The National Labor Relations Board has been busy dealing with Starbucks and accusations of union-busting tactics. Starbucks says some of the raises are subject to collective bargaining, and they've accused some locations of not confirming a proposed session including the store in Ledgewood. Part of their statement reads, despite escalating rhetoric and recurring rallies demanding a contract, Workers United hasn't agreed to meet to progress contract bargaining in more than five months. As we join together to uplift the holiday season and reflect on the past year, we again call on Workers United to fulfill their obligations and engage in the work of negotiating first contracts. We're not asking unreasonable things. We're asking for better staffing. Uh, we're asking for a little more money for what we do because we do a lot. Um, we're asking for safer working conditions. The pay is miserable, $15.75 for the busiest store in, this, in the district. Taylor Olson has worked as a barista here in Ledgewood since March. We're constantly short-staffed and always struggling. We even have customers ha harass us half the time because we have to close early. While most customers continue to jump in line for their drinks, some of them listened to the union members and walked away, calling Starbucks corporate to get a refund on their canceled drink orders. You can still go in and they'll still, they're, they're still going to make it because they don't know that you're getting a refund. So you can still grab that coffee and get your money back. Is that illegal? No. It's a Starbucks corporate number. That's the number that we're given. Like it, we did it last strike, we're doing it this strike. We have a lot of um, really good customers that like know us and like us. So a lot of times they will cancel their order or they just won't come in because um, they support us rather than the company. Um, so I think we have a decent like customer base. 
a customer base that could lend support to unions as they continue fighting for a contract. In Ledgewood, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News. On Wall Street, stocks were mixed today after a big rally in the middle of the week. Here's how the markets closed. Support for the Business Report provided by the New Jersey Tourism Industry Association. NJTIA will host their New Jersey Conference on Tourism November 30th through December 1st at Resorts Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. NJTIA.org for event information. Be sure to tune in this weekend to NJ Bisbee with Raven Santana. She looks at the rising costs of the holidays, including retail trends for New Jersey shoppers and how inflation is impacting the cost of getting a meal on the table. Watch it on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel Saturday at 10 a.m. marks the midpoint of Transgender Awareness Week. It's observed every year to highlight the challenges faced by transgender and LGBTQ plus members of the community as advocates warn transgender rights are increasingly under attack, pointing to rollbacks on student protections and the culture wars around gender identity in politics and schools. Activists are fighting fiercely for the community. And a senior correspondent, Joanna Gagas, reports this week is also a time to recognize transgender achievements and resilience. About 44% of transgender and non-binary youth in New Jersey, so that's specific to our state, seriously considered suicide in the past year. Those alarming numbers are a stark reminder that during this year's Transgender Awareness Week, non-binary and transgender individuals in New Jersey face significantly higher mental health challenges than the general population. 63% of them have reported experiencing depression over the past year. Those stats come from annual reports put out by the Trevor Project and GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian and Straight Education Network. Attorney and transgender advocate Jamie Zug says it doesn't have to be this way. Being transgender and non-binary in and of itself is not a predicator for suicidal ideation. There's no need for transgender and non-binary folks to have higher rates of suicidal ideation than the general population. But the lack of acceptance and understanding for transgender and non-binary people is so pervasive that it makes it very difficult um, for, for trans people uh, to come out. Here in New Jersey, the very public discourse around the role of schools in outing their trans students has had a big impact on those students, says Damian Lopez. They're saying, you know, I'm not ready to come out to my parents and now schools are outing me or can out me to my parents without them without knowing that they don't support me like that's something that I'm scared to do every day now and I'm worried that I'm not going into safe spaces into schools either way and it's going to be just more bullying and more harassment or more um a lot more stressors on top of the things that they're already dealing with they're on social media they are very aware of the races that took place on November 7th they're very aware of board of ed folks that may have been running and they're very aware of what policy changes may mean for them if they're in a place where they don't feel safe, 
that's going to directly impact their levels of anxiety, depression, and those sort of things can lead to, in extreme cases, suicidal ideation. Suicide isn't the only harm facing transgender and non-binary individuals. This week of awareness ends with the Transgender Day of Remembrance on Friday. Which is a day when we take a moment to remember the many transgender lives that have been lost over the past year. Inevitably, it's always trans women of color that lead when it comes to violence against people in, in the community. Um, a lot of transgender and non-binary people experience violence in one way or another, and some of them do lose their lives to violence. Specifically for transgender and non-binary folks who also identify as BIPOC folks, this is a particularly dangerous place um, for folks that identify as such. The Human Rights uh, Campaign, or HRC, found that in 2022, at least 41 transgender and gender non-conforming people were fatally shot. Yet so many fatal interactions go unreported, says Care Plus's Jen Velton. The call for those who want to be allies this week and every week. Very small things like affirming who they are, supporting them when they come out to you, reminding them that they're loved and that they can, that they can authentically be themselves here. Lopez says that type of allyship needs action, not just words. I'm Joanna Gagas. NJ Spotlight News. That's going to do it for us tonight, but make sure you catch Reporters Roundtable with David Cruz tomorrow. David talks to Senate President Nick Scutari about the Democrats' agenda during the lame duck session, which issues are getting attention and which ones aren't. Then a panel of reporters break down this week's political headlines. Watch Roundtable tomorrow at noon on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel. I'm Brianna Venozzi. For the entire NJ Spotlight News team, thanks for being with us. Have a great evening. We'll see you tomorrow. NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. And by the PSCG Foundation. Have some water. Look at these kids. How are you? What do you see? I see myself. I became an ESL teacher to give my students what I wanted when I came to this country. The opportunity to learn, to dream, to achieve, a chance to belong and to be an American. My name is Julia Toriani Crompton and I'm proud to be an NJEA member.